The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Kimberly DeShiel. So if we go backwards from seniors I might work with, their main complaint is I can't get in and out of the bath anymore. I can't get up and down off the sofa anymore, right? And so it's hard to worry about that when you're 20. But if you think about squats, that's what a squat is. A squat is ultimately getting yourself up and down off the couch. Getting yourself up out of the bathtub is essentially strengthen your arms, tricep strength. So if you're always strengthening with an eye for what you might need to be doing later or later in your life, then your strength program works much, much better for you. I so enjoyed this interview with Kimberly DeShiel. She has such a light and easy way of of connecting and yet so much important information that she conveys. And I feel like I really made a friend. I believe that this interview is going to be very, very relevant, especially to all people in the openness of stage. Let's hear it from Kimberly. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Kimberly DeShiel. This is a pleasure. It's our take two. <laughs> totally, totally. So glad to be here. Thanks for having me. And Kimberly's back in her West Coast home with all of her colorful background. And maybe we'll have a picture she'll send us from there that we can post for the Open Nesters podcast. Kimberly <laughs> yeah. is a mom of four, a single mom, and doing some incredible exercise um, education for 30 years. And so I thought she'd be 40, 40, (laughs) 40. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing to have on the podcast to talk about her life. So let's, why don't you catch us up to where you are, where you just came from. um, As far as I know, your last one is now just graduated. Yeah, I just was, I just was on the East coast. We did a double graduation. I had one who got his belated graduation celebration because he was class of 2020. So he was a pandemic senior and they got to redo their graduation, which was really, really fun. And the other one um, got his PhD. He got hooded, as they say. I didn't know that. I didn't know that phrase before, but yes, he got hooded. Well, was it hard for your your youngest who just, you know, had to the pandemic? I actually don't think we've talked about it that much on the open nesters. And I wanted to actually just Ooh. ask you how that was for your family. Yeah, it was I think it was hard for I think it was hard for all young people, as it was hard for all people. I think if you were a senior in college or maybe a senior anywhere, it was particularly challenging because you just didn't get that closure. Now I'm sure to some kids it didn't matter as much. Um, but I would say for my son and for most of the people that we've been in contact with, it was really rough. It was really rough because you basically left on spring break and you left all your stuff and then you didn't get anything back for a long time. So it's, I think it was very surreal. I think when people take it lightly, like, oh, what's the big deal? He graduated anyway. I think it's a little insensitive. 
Right. It's and it's also because there's so many components of transitions and 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 coming to the end of a period of life. And when the, when the, when those periods of any kind are cut short, I think we have a grief about it. I mean, people have that from the pandemic for all kinds of things, right? So Absolutely. Accepting that as we're going to talk about our bodies accepting things is definitely part of our progress, how to relax, let down our guard. Actually, we could even bring up what you and I were chatting about right before, because women, we, you know, we're, we're in this society that makes us a little bit, you know, comp- competitive. We have to exercise a certain way. We have to shape ourselves a certain way. And then and then even the idea of Kegels so that we tighten our 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 pussies and make them ready, like and just keep ourselves tight there. For, what, for whatever reasons, I, I'm so curious about how you talk to women at this age and how you integrate these things for yourselves. So yourself. Such a great question. I talk to women at my age pretty much the same as I talk to younger women. And I do this because I think it's important that we're ready for all the seasons. I think we're, I think we're, we can be really focused on our 30s or our 40s. Once we get into our 50s and 60s, we can really be focused there. I think it's important to always be mindful of the spectrum regarding competition and tight bodies and tight everything and kegels. I think that it has to be a balance. I think you have to be as strong as you can so that your body functions well in every way. And I think you need to be as loose and flexible in mind and body as you can too. Always striking that balance seems to be the sweet spot for women so that they don't feel too, too strength oriented or too, too loosey goosey, flexible oriented mind and body. It's connected. Well, isn't that how life is holding the paradox instead of being so intense on one or the other? Like, you know, um, I think it's a Hamilton thing that says never give up. He goes and then he says, wait for it, wait for it at the same time. Like, I'm never going to give up, but I have to wait for it, wait for it. Like our lives are about knowing how to relax and go in this dance of life. And I know you've told me you've had clients for 18 years, which is amazing to me. So obviously doing the dance of life is really or since they're 18, wait, you started this when you were 18. I have when I was 18, 18. here. <laughs> I have clients that took my first classes when I was still in high school. Wow. And I'm 60 now. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone this morning in class thanked me for 40 years of helping her be strong because she just got injured pretty badly. She took a fall and broke up her knee and, um, She's like, without you, I wouldn't be. She's rehabbing two weeks earlier than the young people are. And her doctor's like, how are you doing this? Like, well, she stayed strong all this time. So talk to us. Not about excessively. Stay- yeah, no, talk to us about what does it take to stay strong as we age? I mean, if we haven't such even done exercise question. before. Yeah. 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 Such a good question. So I'm into functional strength. So what that means for me is if the strength you do actually translates to your life, then it means something right? So if we go backwards from seniors I might work with, their main complaint is I can't get in and out of the bath anymore. I can't get up and down off the sofa anymore, right? And so it's hard to worry about that when you're 20. But if you think about squats, that's what a squat is. A squat is ultimately getting yourself up and down off the couch. Getting yourself up out of the bathtub is essentially strengthen your arms, tricep strength. So if you're always strengthening with an eye for what you might need to be doing later, 
or later in your life, then your strength program works much, much better for you. So every time we do a movement in class, like, okay, we're learning to take these weights overhead. There's a lot of controversy about whether or not you want to take weights overhead ever, right? You might've had a doctor or a chiropractor or a physical therapist tell you, no, 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 no weights over your head. But guess what? Every time you empty the dishwasher and you want to put three plates up overhead, I hope you've done that before in a safe way, because otherwise you're going to wrench up your neck, putting your plates away. So everything is with an eye for how can I use this later? So give us some examples. I mean, you just did. And I just wonder, though, as we get older, though, if we haven't done that, what are the small little tunings that you start people out with to make sure that they create functional strength? Yeah, you absolutely learn how to do a squat correctly. Um, Wall sits. Um lunges, but see, it's all about the form you use. So you can't just turn on a YouTube video and try to keep up with someone that doesn't, that doesn't work. Now it does work for some people. Otherwise those videos would not be, you know, they would not get so many views, but if you find yourself in a situation with a specialist or a trainer or a coach who knows what they're doing and you learn how to do squats for you, how low, how many, how rotated out are my toes? Where do my knees go? If you learn how to do squats and plank and lunges just for you, nothing, nothing more than what's right for your body, you're halfway there. If you add some upper body weights and just enough cardio to keep your heart really strong, you don't have, you don't have to go crazy with any of this. You just have to be kind of chipping away at it across a lifetime as a framework for what might happen. If you're already strong and you get sick, you get well faster. If you're already strong and you take a fall or you get in a car accident, now we don't want these things to happen, but they might. If you're already strong, guess what? You're going to heal faster. And it's like, people don't want to think about that so much, but it's really true. It's really true. So that's why it's in-home fitness for everybody. So when you say body, so you so it's really feeling, it's, it's again, back, back into mindfulness. What does my body feel like when I try these things? Yes. And when I strengthen step-by-step step in small increments and, and yeah. see how it feels by noticing. And so I love that because it's not saying we have to achieve anything. It's getting away from this very, you know, patriarchic uh, achievement society exercise regimes that are that are not making people happy in the way they live their lives, strong and functional, vital. Absolutely. So it's not about what you look like either. So if you want to talk about like a patriarchal approach or you want to talk about exercise for the male gaze, you're talking about, I have to look a certain way to look a certain way, right? I have to look a certain way because somebody wants me to look a certain way. Now there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting to change anything about your body. If that's what you want, you know, not because your mother thought so, not because your sister thought so, not because your girlfriends or social media thinks so, and not because your partner thinks so you want, to be stronger because you want to be stronger. If that includes looking different, cool. If it doesn't, great. You're good. We want to welcome you to this section of our podcast that we're exploring more together. And if you're enjoying this interview, we have so many interviews on our resources page, as well as podcasts and books and references And so I just want to point out that we've had episodes that were so rich from different women. Pamela Grout, Thank and Grow Rich, 
Abs and Mags, the Anxiety Sisters, and many other, especially women, impact of mindfulness and biohack, biohacking age, that you can look back and find so many articles from these credible women that will help us grow and explore more as we age together. So visit theopennesters.com and go to our resources page. If you or someone you know is having a difficult recovery from knee surgery, you want to check out the X10 Knee Recovery System. You can learn all about it at x10therapy.com. That's x10therapy.com. So as we get older, when we think that we're trying to become, I think, more a little slower and tuned in and not in that chasing mode. And I think trying, you know, really the awareness, building our awareness muscle. So mm-hmm. if there is somebody brand new out there that, that I mean, how just listening to their body, are there ways that you teach them how to listen to their body after they try yeah. something new? Yeah, definitely. So you're always going to work around pain, not through pain. If your knee hurts, stop. You're not supposed to work through pain in your joints. If your back hurts, stop. If you can't figure out to make how to make the adjustments you need to make to make your body stop hurting, then that exercise is not for you. The same thing goes for stretches, okay? There are some stretches you can, you can get into like a pigeon from yoga. If you're facing downward in a pigeon and your front knee hurts, it's not doing you any good. You're not supposed to stretch your knees. You want your knees to be stable and your hips to be flexible. So it's, it's a process of listening. It's a process of working around pain rather than through it. And if you find yourself in an unfortunate position of having an injury or coming into an exercise program, coming out of an injury, you have to learn as quickly as you can that the rest of your body is still functioning. So if I hurt my knee, I might stop doing things that are bothering my knee, but I might continue doing my upper body and give my knee a rest. Now, of course, you're going to go want to get it checked out. You're going to want to do physical therapy if they tell you to. You follow the doctor's orders if you're at that point. But let's say you're just in that achy and painy phase. You just, you don't bother the things that are telling you, please don't hurt me. Yeah, you know, exactly. They're sending you signals on purpose. <laughs> Bodies are genius. They are. So, yeah. so I know you recently went through an injury. So why do you give us a personal example? Yeah, I did. I have so many personal examples. So I've been an active person my whole life and I'm also oddly uncoordinated. So I was a ballet dancer and you don't think of ballet dancers as uncoordinated but I was very graceful in that system. But other than that, I'm kind of spacey. I run into things, I fall, I do silly things. It has nothing to do with my age. I've always been like this. My mother used to say on the playground, she was embarrassed because I would run funny and fall down. So this is always. (laughs) So on this particular day, I had just launched my online program or the second round of my online program, which was new in the pandemic. I had never taken my work online until the pandemic. So I had, my coach had told me, get yourself a special snack, celebrate. And I was just, I was just looking at the list of my people and I was making little post-it notes for the next day and I was getting ready. And um, I jumped off my couch to go and grab a snack out of the fridge. And somehow I got an extension cord kind of wrapped around the back end of a pair of clogs. And I felt myself falling and I'm like, oh, I know how to fall. 
I always think about my daughter who's a volleyball player when I fall, like how would Augie do it? Because volleyball players fall on the ground all the time. So I have my arms out and I'm ready to go. And then one of my arm, one of my arms decided to break. So I broke my shoulder and um, it was a bad injury. Nobody ever tells you how serious that particular broken bone is, but it was, it was really serious. And it took me a year really to rehab a year. I took a month off of work, but I kept working with my arm visibly not able to do lots of things to show my clients and to show myself. And because I also love my, I love my class. I love to teach to show them that you can still squat. Yeah. My arm hurts. I didn't do a plank pose for nine months. I don't know. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do laundry. It was my right arm. It was my dominant arm. So I needed care. It was, it was really hard. I don't like to lean on people and I had to. Well, that's actually a good a good conversation too, because I know you you're with your yeah. you're living with your daughter during the pandemic and on the mm-hmm. East Coast. So, how has that been working out? What what's changed in your scale of life and the way you see this this more vital stage that you can ask for help? That you're an open nester and you don't have kids at home and you're yeah. doing some of that traveling. I want to get back to that. Your own yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't feel good about asking for help at sixty. I'm not there yet. The way it worked, the reason why I went to New York after I broke my arm is that I didn't have anyone to care for me. So I couldn't drive. I couldn't go to the grocery store. I could, but I could only get one bag at a time. I couldn't prepare food easily. I couldn't fold anything. I I really just couldn't, I could have survived, but it was hard, you know? So I went to New York and um, at that time, three out of four of my kids were living in New York. And we just decided, like many people did, to bubble together and, you know, do our pandemic thing together. And I stayed in New York for four and a half months. And I'm a California girl, so I had never gone through a winter. It was a it was a snowy winter. It was cold. <laughs> um, I had been back and forth for a week because all my kids had lived there before. But this was next level. So it was great. It felt like it felt very old fashioned to be living in my daughter's house with my grandsons and her husband. It was so special to be able to know that it's dinner time and go down and eat dinner. And I hadn't cooked it. You know, it was just, it was definitely a rite of passage. I wouldn't want to do that forever. And I'm, I'm nowhere near there, but oh my gosh, in a pinch to have family in that situation was a miracle. Absolute. Well, what do you think you did to have kids that, that had that way of being with you? So talk about, Let's talk about you as a single mom. Like what, um, what, what is it that, that created your strength of, of raising children? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so my four kids have two dads. So I found myself a single mom kind of twice over and I don't know, I raised them. It was important to me that they understood about conflict resolution. That was a really big value in our family. I really, really wanted to have children who knew how to argue, have a conflict and talk it through and, and complete it. And they have been able to do that. I was not raised in a family like that. So that was a big family value for me from the very beginning. Um, As a single working mom, they saw me running my own business from the beginning. I've had my own business since before I had babies and I only took a few weeks off for each baby to be born. I went back to the studio. I worked very part-time, but I love my job. And 
you know, it wasn't a problem to go back for two hours at a time. So I think they saw me working. I know they saw me working. And by high school, they all had their own businesses. So where the other kids were getting jobs at, you know, the ice cream store or at the summer camp down the street, my kids were running a swim school, running a tutoring business, coaching volleyball, you know, summer nanny. They were doing they were doing their own thing like I did. When you work in fitness, you make more money per hour. And the few hours that I had to go back and work were the teaching hours and the rest just went to pot. (laughs) The rest was just like, you know, kind of untended. I very definitely worked full time. I just didn't have to teach. You can't, you can't teach fitness classes more than two or three per day. So it wasn't, it wasn't that I had a business that, um, didn't need that amount of tending. No, it was very much a full-time business. It just was that those teaching hours were the most important hours. And then, um, you know, I built back up as they got bigger. And the kids saw you doing it all and then keeping this spirit of obviously, I don't know, conflict resolution. I've studied like nonviolent communications. I don't know if you use that at all with your kids. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. But how did they nurture? How did they want to help you? Do you think there was something at home that you created and, and also with their fathers? I wanted to ask you how that interacted and how that works That's for everyone. A great question. Um, how did they become so nurturing? I guess they were following my example. I, I can't I can't say that I did anything. And I also I also love to say that when you make a decision at some point to be the best mom you can be, which I think everyone does, sometimes it works that it actually like shows in your kids. And sometimes it looks like who knows what happened? You were a great mom and your kids were hard and they went bonkers and all these things happened. And my kids certainly went through those phases. So there's no like, I I don't think that, you know, air quotes, good moms have air quotes, good kids. I think that moms have kids. And I think that good moms are those who are dedicated to mothering and whatever happens, we're doing the best we can. And that was my motto for sure. There were phases where I was, you know, I had so many teenagers at home and I was tearing my hair out and didn't know what to do and had no experience. And I was a young mom. So I, I didn't have friends who had kids the same age. I had to build community all the time. And uh, my mother wasn't really on the scene and it was just flying by the seat of my pants. So some of it is just luck. It is. Some, you know? Sometimes I think it is a lot of luck and chemistry yeah. and, and, and your, your overall good energy. I'm sure that they felt that you were doing the best you can. And so, and then you're lucky if they, if they can appreciate and reciprocate. Um, so what about their, father, yeah. their fathers? Were they part of the picture or not? not at all? Oh yeah. 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 My kids went back and forth to both houses the whole time and have had and have good relationships with their fathers you know, my relationship with them is, was less fantastic, but that's why we got divorced, you know? Right. And, and, and I always, I like what Esther Perel says is we graduate from a marriage when we, that season of that marriage is over. And then for a lot of reasons, I mean, I think you mentioned that your, your, your husband also struggles as a quadriplegic and you've had to, or the kids have had to be sensitive in different ways, obviously creating something more nourishing. 
Yeah, he got in an accident long after we had separated. But um, about five or six years ago, he had an accident in the ocean, and he's now a quadriplegic. And it is very much something for them to deal with, and very much something that we deal with as a family. And it's, it's a lot to watch as a mom, to watch your kids become the caretakers of their parent. And I'm not by any means saying that he needs to be cared for full time. He has help, thank goodness. And it just was a, a beautiful and frightening thing to watch my kids have to step into that role really quick, especially in the early days, because it's a very, very long um, healing process when you've had an accident at that level, there was lots, many, many months in hospitals and programs. So it was hard. Sounds like you have some sensitive kids. Yeah, I do. They're, they're tremendous. They're tremendous. So if you had to look at, you know, the, the world as, as it is, and, uh, and, and as you, as an open nester, what, you know, what are you, what are you seeing ahead for your, for yourself? I mean, whether it's, how they grow in their relationships, how they behave in the world and for yourself in relationships as well. Oh, how do I see them carrying on with their relationships? They all have relationships that I aspire to have. I like to say when I grow up, I'm going to have relationships as good as they have. So hopeful, Kimberly. What a, what a hopeful message for people because divorce is not something that we one should feel broken by. And, and, and because our society has, especially when we were younger, I mean, now I think kids are even choosing not to get married because of the bad rap marriage has. So, you know, the fact is we can't predict and we can't fix and we can just do the best we can. And you've made that so apparent in that, in your particular journey. And I, I really, I really appreciate that. And I, I wonder if that whole conflict resolution thing. So did you have a, a system or any communication tools? I did. I did. You want to hear about it? Yeah. And that the kids may be amazing. Yeah. 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 No, this is kind of amazing because, um, when, so I was 22 and I had my first baby and I literally knew nothing. And I literally had no friends who were parents. I enrolled her in a little daycare and it was like a full day daycare, like seven in the morning till six at night. The director of this uh, preschool daycare was this amazing woman who taught at Santa Monica college. Her name was Ellen Coca. And uh, she may still be around somewhere, but she was very much at the forefront of helping kids resolve conflict. And this was 1984. And she would put down two little chairs facing each other. They were called the talking chairs. And each child got in the chair and said to the other, I'm mad at you because you took my toy and it made me sad. And they got 30 seconds to say what was on their mind. And there was a teacher moderating. Then the second child would say, well, I didn't like it because you called me a poo-poo head last week, right? Or whatever. And they would teach, they would talk for 30 seconds. The teacher would then narrate. What I notice is that you didn't like it when he took your toy and you didn't like it when he called you a poo-poo head. So what are we going to do? And usually by then, these are two, three, four-year-olds go, I don't know, let's go play. (laughs) And off they went. Because they both got heard. So my kids are 14 years apart. And when 
even when the big ones were much bigger. And I was using talking chairs with my own kids in the house. The big ones were much bitter, bigger. They would like get down into the little preschool chair with the five-year-old and say, hey, I didn't like it when you interrupted me. And they would do it with the littles. And so talking chairs were just always a part of my family culture. And so you take this little, this little tool from this genius, genius, early childhood educator and apply it in your household forever. And I have to say that although they don't sit in chairs, they certainly let each other talk and resolve conflict and they don't need a moderator. I am Pretty so cool, huh? touched because if we could all just do that in our own households, uh-huh. our world would be a better place. Oh I my mean, gosh, yes. Relationships are where it's at because that is our, is our those are our teach, that's our teaching ground. So Absolutely. I love the fact that you can give us this example and know that your kids are passing it on. I mean, what a gratifying thing for a mom and and as a grandma, I mean, maybe you're getting whether you can get down in that chair. I don't know if you have old enough. Oh, <laughs> I get down in that chair. Absolutely. Absolutely. That whole ritual will go forward with the grandsons and everyone else. Wow, Kimberly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's wrap up by you telling us, first of all, what you look forward to for yourself. Like what is what's ahead for for you, Kimberly DeShiel and who is an in-home fitness expert, and you'll tell us all of your ways to reach you. Great. So what are you looking forward to for you personally as an open minister? So since the last two years, the theme of the last year and a half or so has been healing the shoulder and healing my heart. Um, I think the years to come are about finding love again, um, loving myself again, finding myself again, um, reinventing my life and, and um, looking forward to a situation that's going to look very different than I thought it would. Of course, growing my business, um, tons of travel, because I love, love, love being location independent with my online program. That was never true when I was working in person with people being a part of my kids' lives. They live in four cities right now, outside the country and in the country, one's in London and three in the States and um, watching those babies grow and celebrating that 60 doesn't feel like I thought it would. I, I feel like I've got this big chunk of life to do whatever I want to do and I am going to do it. That is so beautiful. And I feel that from you and I feel the same way about it. And yet I know you've had a har- hardship to get here. You mentioned wounded heart. And I knew, I knew that we didn't necessarily want to go there this time. And yet, what would you say to someone else who's a single mom who's had you know, setbacks and, 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 and how, they, how they can look at that strengthening that muscle of curiosity and, and, and what you're talking about, which is exploration without the result. Like you're just like, I'm open to what's next. Yeah. It's a good question. Sometimes I think that your life needs a shakeup to create new strategy. I think it would be really cool if women could learn to create new strategy without the shakeup, waking up one day and having your life be different is a challenge, but waking up one day or waking up every day 
and saying, my life is going to be different is the kind of challenge that I think I really want to take a bite of. So I think I would tell my girlfriends to like explore, do scary things, travel somewhere by yourself, write in a journal till you can't write anymore. It doesn't matter what you write, burn it. If you hate it, try to publish something, get visible on social media. Don't be afraid. Move your body until you can't move it anywhere anymore. Go out dancing by yourself, you know, like just do those things and, and don't let anyone stop you, you know? Ah, wow. Such a great, such beautiful wisdom. Just let me see what's out there. It gives us all such hope. It's exactly what we try to talk about here in the Open Nester. So that's been absolutely perfect way to summarize that. Yay! So, so where where can people reach you? I like you to use your voice to give it to us, even though it'll be in the blog and the and the post. Sure. Sure. So, Kimberly DeShiel on Instagram. Kimberly with an E Y. Kimberly with an E. Kimberly with an E I. E-Y and DeShiel with an I-E. You're going to have to look at it somewhere. Kimberly DeShiel on Instagram, Kimberly DeShiel on Facebook, and KimberlyDeShiel.com is my website and my program. Well, this has been an absolute joy. I so appreciate your time. Thank and you. I, I look forward Thank to you. staying in touch because I um, I think, you know, I like being around inspiring women. So I'm glad we connected. Oh, thank you so much. What a beautiful conversation. It's so lovely to be here with you. Thank you. Before we summarize this episode with uh, Kimberly DeShiel, I just want you to join us next week with a couple that talks about getting comfortable with discomfort. They are Victor and Sandra. Join us next week. I watched you as we listened to this episode because we've been going through our own little pains and aches as we get older. And I know there's so much to learn, but I just felt like it was such such a joy to have this kind of conversation about... Light and easy. Light, easy, and also talking about the background of conflict resolution with with the talking chairs and that ritual, and then getting into the, the idea of us discussing pain as we age and acceptance and how what we can do instead of what we cannot do what's good for us Tessa, this was very relevant for me as i'm going with my own uh, shoulder issue with rotating cuff still trying to figure out what's going on with it being limited not being able to exercise the way i used to and here comes kimberly and talking about how we need to continuously work and uh, in, in progress to strengthen our body. And that's exactly what I've been trying to do. I'm getting frustrated because I cannot make the same maneuvers. So listening to her, uh, I wish I can listen to it really uh, 15, 20 years ago and continue to be on the right track uh, for fitness and getting my body strong. And I personally age. So it was very relevant for me to hear from her and understanding that, you know, I have to continue Uh, to work on my body and strengthen it, and also learning about her own challenges, her own uh, broken shoulders that put her out of commission for so many months, almost over a year. So it was very relevant to me, and I'm sure it's relevant to a lot of other people.
And I love the concept of asking for help. And you and I have discussed this recently that that sometimes, I mean, there are some people who complain all the time and they are always asking. And yet you were raised always to kind of, and I've been very lucky about that, not to want to ask. And yet our, our needs are emotionally and physically as we get older are part of the being vulnerable with the people we love. And she discusses that too. And I think it's an important discussion for all of us to continue to have. Look, uh, I'll say it right here. I have always... Uh, had a hard time really receiving. I prefer to give, and you know, it's a transition for me also to be in a receiving end and actually asking for help when I could. And you know, when the other day when I needed help with my shirt, you know, I call them, oh, first I said, well, let me see if I can do it on my own, but uh, it was painful, so I had to ask for help. And thank you, thank you for being there to help me out with it, and you did it with, with open heart and love. Well, showing up for each other is a beautiful thing. If you have a partnership that you can and you have friends you can count on, children you can count on, and if not really developing those friendships, I think we're going to be talking about friendships in the next month on the Open Esther's podcast. And I do want to point out that this opened up so many pathways of thinking. So thank you, Kimberly, for this beautiful interview. Absolutely. And for me, uh, knowing that there is hope out there for me and to being able to receive and listening for Kimberly. I know that many of us in the openness of stage, uh, as our bodies start aching and not moving exactly the way it used to when we were 20 and 30, can always, always use a tip like that. So I think that this interview was right on, spot on, relevant to me and to many others. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for sharing. Please continue to share because that helps our podcast grow. And we've really been growing to one of the top relationship podcasts. But this topic is great, too. So you must know somebody out there who could use to hear it. So and also get onto our Facebook page, our closed Facebook page where you can comment and Instagram is growing. So I want to thank you for the growing community as we get used to doing this social media. And Tessa was mentioning before the uh, resources pages. My goodness, it's a it's a fountain uh, of information and resources that you can use to really understand where you are, how you can improve, and how to live better in the open nesting style. So, visit theopennesters.com. That's how do you always like to say it? Uh, theopennesters.com. <laughs> double N in the middle, S at the end, and. Uh, In closing, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.